The Lord be with you. Let's pray. Father, uh, we do pray that you'd open our ears to be able to hear your word to us, Lord. Tune our hearts to the frequency of your good news today. Help us sit at your feet and listen. Amen. The Lord answered, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. One thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the better part, and it won't be taken away from her. Jesus is speaking, friends, this is our good news today. Jesus is speaking a word of good news. He's speaking a word that reshapes the world in the goodness of God. This word disrupts our anxious clinging to preconceived notions about how to serve God to get our needs met. And there is space for you today to sit at his feet and receive this word. Only one thing is necessary. Will you choose the better part today? Will you sit at his feet and listen? I don't know if you guys can relate to this. I'm an over-responsible type. Anybody, can I get a witness? Uh, I hear about things that need to be done, and I think, it's probably my job, right? That's probably, what, that's probably something I'm supposed to do. Um, I, you know, like in our DNA groups, you know, we discern this bad news, this kind of these lies that, that subterraneanly, is that a word? Subterraneanly run our lives without our knowing. And one of my big lies that I wrestle with a lot is, it's all up to me. I think that, you know, subconsciously. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? I don't rationally think it's all up to me. The best thing for me to do is to step in and to solve this problem. It just happens, right? It's reflexive. My body engages before my mind catches up with, like, what do I, wait, what's going on? Um, and this definitely shows up in my work as a pastor. Um, pastors are, you know, we take responsibility for things and we help people. So, it, it, you know, it's, it's kind of a, it's a dangerous job for me to have. Uh, as a pastor. Um, and I, I just got back from a couple weeks vacation. My wife uh, and my kids and I, we drove to Wisconsin and Minnesota visiting family. It was really nice. Um, and, you know, I realized that some of this bad news was at work in my life because as I was handing things off for other people in the community to handle while I was gone, I was surprised. Every time I go on vacation, I'm surprised. I was surprised by how many little things I had just picked up. Just automatically, just thought, oh, I'll take care of that. I can take care of that. I can take care of that. And now I'm not here. And so I have to start handing these things off to people and being like, oh, man, there's a lot of things that I've picked up that somebody else is going to need to do. And so I you know, handed those things off uh, to the best of my ability. But here's what's even more interesting is I found that when I got back home, I, uh, I texted Matt uh, and just said, like, hey, how did things go while I was gone? You know, how did things go? And, you know, Matt, his initial answer was kind of he shrugged and he was like, well, I think things went really well. It was fine. And you know what? I was simultaneously pleased to hear that and a little disappointed that things didn't go wrong. You know, like, oh, but you guys were just fine without me? Is that fine? Is that, is that what you're saying? So I was a little disappointed about that. I realized there was part of me that was fantasizing maybe about things going haywire and people welcoming me back with open arms. Oh, it's so good to have you back, Ben. You're so necessary here. You're so vital to our enterprise here. You're, you are so glad to have you back, right? I'm inflating that a little bit, but that, that's what I would realize. I realized, well, that's interesting. I'm disappointed that nothing went wrong, majorly wrong. Um, and so I, you know, I, I was hoping that people would realize how hard I worked and how necessary I was to our community. So I realized you know, the reason I take this kind of responsibility so easily is that I assume that by doing this, I will be rewarded with a sense of belonging, a place at the table, 
right? A sense of security, a sense of significance. Oh, yeah, you really do matter. You really do belong here. We're happy to see you. I'm trying to earn my way into it by taking a lot of responsibility, if that makes sense. And of course, as I said earlier, all of this is embedded in my, this isn't a rational process, right? All of this is just embedded in my body. I take it on automatically. And then, you know, I feel a bit resentful when things don't work out quite the way that I wanted them to work out, if people don't appreciate me for what I do in the community, if God doesn't seem to be rewarding me for my service to his people. And this isn't the strategy that all of us use, taking a lot of responsibility, assuming things are up to us, but, but we're all doing this in, in our own little ways. We all have a different strategy for trying to get from God and from others what we so deeply desire and need, a sense of belonging. Do I have a place here? Do you, are you happy to see me? We, we deeply need that. We, we long for it, and we, we try to get it. A, a sense of security. Am I safe? Can I be here without being on my guard? And a sense of significance. Can I, do I matter? Do I have something important to contribute? Does it matter if I'm here or not? Some of us, like me, we take on a lot of responsibility. We assume that we're going to get those things met, those needs met in our lives by being responsible, taking things on. And people are going to notice that and congratulate us for it. Others of us try to be useful uh, or helpful to others. Some of us try to be impressive or stand out in the crowd, stand out from the crowd in some way. Some of us try to be the smartest person in the room, always having something really wise and pithy to say. Some of us try to be the funniest person in the room, always have a joke, make everybody laugh. Yeah? Some of us are loyal soldiers. That we make sure we do our job. If I say I'm going to do it, I'm going to get it done. Other of us, others of us try to be the life of the party. Some of us try to stay in charge at all costs. Some of us just slink into the background and we're like, you know, if nobody notices me, great. This is how I'm going to find my place here. Whatever it is, we all have uh, what Thomas Keating called a program for happiness that we're constantly running. We're running these programs for happiness. And one way to notice what your program for happiness is is to notice when resentment and bitterness rise up in you toward others. Because what's happening is they're not cooperating with your program for happiness. When things went fine here <laughs> while I was gone, y'all weren't cooperating with my program for happiness, which was I'm going to find my place in community by being somebody who gets a lot of stuff done, by being useful. You can notice what really bothers you about other people, and this shows us kind of what's happening inside of us when this contract that we've made with God or with others breaks down. It's a moment of revelation. It's, a, it's an opportunity to repent, to pay attention. Oh, what is the contract I made here? Why am I upset about this? Why am I disappointed that things didn't go badly while I was gone? And this seems to be what's happening in our gospel text today. Martha welcomes Jesus into her home, and she assumes she knows what Jesus wants. She assumes she knows what will make Jesus happy. She assumes she knows how to welcome Jesus into their home and honor him. And according to the rules of the culture, she's got every right to assume that. That's how you honor people as you... You give them a good spread. You give them a good place to, to stay and a good meal. But when her sister Mary isn't cooperating, nor is Jesus, there's this moment of revelation where she perhaps comes face to face with the reason that she's doing the things that she's doing. So as we get into our text today, I just want you to think, what is it for you? Are you aware of what your program for happiness is? What are you running in the background trying to 
achieve some sense of security or significance or belonging from God and from others. Because here's our good news today, friends. Jesus is speaking a word that disrupts those programs for happiness. He speaks a good word that disrupts uh, our anxious clinging to those assumptions about how to serve God, about how to get what we need. And this word from Jesus reshapes the world in the goodness of God, and we're invited into that. You're invited today to sit at the feet of Jesus and receive this word. Only one thing is necessary. Will you choose the better part? Our text says that a woman named Martha welcomed him as a guest. And this is just some interesting background, but all of Luke 10 is about hospitality. We've been preaching through Luke 10 the past few weeks. Uh, We started with the sending out of the 72. And Jesus is talking to his disciples about discernment. He's saying, like, the way that you discern how I'm at work, how God is at work in in the places that you're going, is that you will, somebody will receive you. They will open their home to you. They will serve you. That's how you notice it. And then, of course, uh, the parable of the Good Samaritan is given to someone who is trying to get out of showing hospitality to his neighbor. And now Jesus himself is welcomed into a home, into Martha's home. And this little uh, short story is really about what it looks like to truly welcome Jesus as God's incarnate word. What does the true hospitality look like? How How do we honor Jesus? How do we welcome him? The text says, she had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his message. By contrast, Martha was preoccupied with getting everything ready for their meal. So here we see this contrast that gets set up in the text, right? The two ways that the wise women respond to the presence of Jesus. Mary sits at his feet, listens to his word that he's been proclaimed. This is the word he gave to his disciples to give to the 72. She's listening. She's sitting at his feet and listening, but... Mary is preoccupied. One text, one translation says, by all the preparations that had to be made. You feel that sense of compulsion in that? These things have to happen, and I'm the only one doing anything about it. And this contrast is obviously bothering Martha, which we find out in the next part of the text. So Martha came to him and said, Lord, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to prepare the table all by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha's upset. It's interesting. She says, Lord, which is ironic because she's about to tell him what to do, (laughs) right? It's not what you do typically to a Lord. Uh, You you receive instructions, Uh, but she's about to tell him what to do. Lord, what's up? Look at all these things that have to be done. Neither of you seem to care at all about the fact that I'm the only one doing this stuff. I'm trying to honor you here, Jesus. I'm trying to show you some hospitality. Why aren't you cooperating with this? I'm trying to give you something nice here. I'm trying to serve you, Jesus. What are you doing letting her hang out at your feet? And this isn't vanity for Martha, I don't think. I think she just knows how important Jesus is. She understands that he's bringing God's kingdom, and she wants to honor him in the ways that she understands how to honor, which is let's... Let's put out the best china. Let's kill the fattened calf. Let's have a feast. Let's honor this guest who's bringing the kingdom of God to our midst. But her problem is that she assumes that this is what needs to happen and then gets resentful when her sister and her Lord are not cooperating. Mary isn't helping. Her program for happiness, Martha's program for happiness is being thwarted here. 
Her assumptions about how to serve Jesus are being challenged. Her beliefs about how the world works, how to honor those who bring the word of God, they're all being challenged here, and she lashes out at Jesus. She lashes out at her sister Mary. This is what happens to all of us when our programs for happiness are thwarted. We feel like we want it, but we feel resentful. We feel frustrated about that. And here's the other thing. It's not just that Mary isn't helping. It's actually a lot more disruptive than that. Because Mary is taking a position in, in Jesus' life that was really only, in that culture, it was really only open to men. She's taking the position of a disciple. And a disciple in that culture is not somebody who, you know, goes to a conference and, uh, you know, just praises the Lord that, you know, the conference speaker is saying some really awesome stuff, right? They're not like fans or groupies. A disciple is somebody who sits at the feet of a, of a rabbi in order to become eventually what that rabbi is, including a teacher. So Mary is, is doing something far more disruptive than just not helping. She's crossing a boundary here. There's something about the presence of Jesus that has caused her to cross this cultural boundary where she, as a woman, who would, be, who would have been a low-status person in that culture, she crosses this boundary and says, maybe I'm not defined by this low status that I have. Maybe Jesus would welcome me as a disciple too. So Mary's not a groupie here. She's not like, oh, Jesus. He says such wonderful things. She's taking a position of somebody who's about to take responsibility to become a teacher of good news, to become who this rabbi is. And this is the reality that Jesus reveals and defends in his response to Martha. So Martha says, Why aren't, tell her to help me. And Jesus says, no. <laughs> he says, Martha, Martha, you're worried and distracted by many things, but only one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the better part. It won't be taken away from her. So the Lord speaks. It's interesting, the text refers to Jesus as the Lord here. There's this definitive word from God through the mouth of Jesus to say, no, this space will be protected for her. So he speaks now and reveals to say, hey, the hospitality I'm interested in isn't just a clean house. It's not just a good meal, but it's an open receptivity to my word, an open heart to the good news of the kingdom that reshapes the world and the goodness of God. He honors Mary's choice to sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to this disruptive word. And he defends her place among disciples who are going to listen to his word and let it reshape their lives. This is the one thing necessary. This is how we honor Jesus as a guest. This is how we open ourselves to him. And implicit here is an invitation to Martha too. Martha, you're worried, you're distracted. Only one thing is necessary. Your sister's chosen it, but you can too. You can choose this too, even though you are anxious and agitated right now. Martha, whatever need you're trying to get through your agitation, you're running around the house, whatever need you're trying to get, stop trying to achieve it and just receive it. It's present in my word to you. So this passage is not a contrast between prayer and housework. <laughs> it's not saying, you know, praying is good and housework is fine, but, you know, praying is better. That's not what this passage is doing. It's not saying the contemplative life is better than the activist life. It's not a contrast between active service and passive listening. But it's, it's a contrast between Martha's anxious agitation about, for, that stems from her assumptions about how to serve God and get what she needs and Mary's open receptivity to this disruptive word that's coming from Jesus. Martha's problem is not that she's busy. 
It's that she's anxious. It's that she's agitated. It's that she's resentful because her program for happiness is breaking down. And Jesus' invitation to her is Jesus' invitation to us. Drop your preconceived notions about what it means to serve God, about how to get your needs met. And open yourself up to this word. All that you need is contained in the word of good news that comes from Jesus to us. This disruptive, reshaping word that Jesus is speaking today in our midst is what we really need. And within this word of good news is provision for every deep need we have for security, significance, belonging. All of it is present in Jesus' word to us. That's why this is the one thing necessary. Will you choose the better part today? We're invited into this space, friends. Jesus is speaking a word that reshapes the world. In the goodness of God, this word disrupts our anxious clinging to preconceived notions about how to serve God and get what we need. There's space for you today to sit at the feet of Jesus and receive this word. Will you receive it today? So, friends, let's respond to this word of good news. Where do you notice your program for happiness being thwarted today? Where are you experiencing frustration or fear in your life? Where is anxious agitation manifesting itself? What are you worried and distracted by today? That's a clue as to how you're trying to get those deep needs for security, belonging, and significance met. So part of the way I'm responding to this word of good news for me in my bad news that says it's all up to me and that in order to have a place in community, in order for people to want to see me, I have to be useful in some way. It's bad news for me. That's my program for happiness. So part of the way that I'm responding to that is I'm, I'm starting, I'm trying to do this where I simply notice where I impulsively take responsibility for things. I don't notice every time I do it, but sometimes I do notice that I impulsively take responsibility for things and it actually feels a certain way in my body. I feel this tightening in my gut and a rising in my shoulders. And so the first part of that for me is just to go, I let my shoulders drop, whatever I was trying to carry drops away, and then I activate my thoughts and I just think, is this mine to do? Sometimes it is, and I think, great, it's mine to do. Sometimes it's very obviously not, and I drop it. Other times I don't know, so I ask the person I'm with. Is this mine to do? Can you help me discern this? When you said that, I assumed that was my job. But I'm trying not to assume that anymore. Because that's not a word of good news that comes from Jesus. I'm trying to sit at his feet and listen to him. Speak a word of good news to me. Amen? Amen. Amen. So what is it for you? We're going to respond today in prayer by sitting at the feet of Jesus together. So in prayer, let us confess what we are worried and distracted by. Let us let go of our preconceived notions about how to get what we need. And let us open ourselves up to the world-shaping word of good news that Jesus is speaking today. Amen.